You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. And don't be afraid to start slowly adding to companies that you really like, you like the story, and you think they're undervalued relative to their future prospects, especially once the market starts moving higher again, which I, I think we're, we're kind of getting close to that happening again. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Today's show is brought to you by GR Silver Mining. They are advancing development stage silver and gold projects in the Rosario Mining District in Mexico. The company is fully funded for this year and next, having recently completed a $9 million financing a few months ago. And they are led by an excellent management team with Marcio, the president, CEO, and founder, having been part of the Silvercrest story and that success that we've seen in the junior silver market. So to find more information, please head on over to grsilvermining.com. Ticker symbol in the States is GRSLF and in Toronto, GRSL. Well, many times every week I get at least one, if not five emails or messages asking about newsletter subscriptions in the junior mining sector and Bill, which ones would you recommend? And one of the newsletters that I always recommend, and I did so this morning, the morning of this recording to uh, someone that emailed me is for Dave Kranzler's Mining Stock Journal. To find more information, go to investmentresearchdynamics.com. Dave uh, presents new uh, stock ideas, many of the ideas that he will invest in in his mining stock and gold precious metals fund. And you'll also get a macro overview for the sector, Dave's ideas there, as well as specific ideas. So if you're newer to the sector, you want generative ideas, this would be one of the newsletters that I would recommend. Again, find information at investmentresearchdynamics.com. With that said, Dave, welcome back onto the show. Bill, thanks for having me on again. It's it's always a pleasure. I, I didn't know that you were sponsored by GR Silver. I, I'm glad they're sponsoring this show. I love GR Silver. In fact, I, I got myself and my fund and my subscribers into it below 20 cents. I don't know, about maybe 18 months ago or something. Um, I, that's a great company. So, um, in fact, we were discussing earlier, you know, when you decide to take profits and when you decide to, um, move back into, you know, at a price level below where you might've taken some profits and GR silver is one that, uh, I, I monitor every day, um, you know, to add to my position after taking some profits when it, uh, was, was over 60 cents us. Well, Dave, I'd like to start off with getting your thoughts on the junior miners. Uh, what's your commentary and your observation regarding the junior miners' performance relative to the gold-silver prices and the ETF GDXJ? That's a great question, Bill, and it, it's kind of a loaded question. Let me let me explain. There's not well. First of all, like people throw the term "junior" out there kind of generically, and I mean. I think a lot of people consider junior to mean, you know, uh, under a couple hundred million dollar market cap or, or, you know, isn't producing, you know, still exploring or transitioning into production or you know, the, the, the small cap producers. The, the definition in GDXJ, I mean, is dubious because it's got a, a lot of companies in that index that are billion dollar market caps. And I don't look at those as juniors. When I refer to a junior, I pretty much look at the micro, you know, micro cap 
junior exploration stocks. I call them I call them the the, the venture capital juniors. You know, the ones that are um, under for sure under a hundred million and preferably under fifty or thirty million. That ones that are just starting to get started on a prospective project because that's that's where your most upside is in the sector. But having said that, in, in terms of comparing the juniors generically to the price of the precious metals and um, you know the larger cap stocks or the GDXJ index. Again, like I said, um, I don't consider GDXJ to be a true junior index. Um, and that said, the the junior. What I like about the micro cap juniors is it, it's a cherry pickers market, and you you got to really sift through and do a lot of work and look at a lot of ideas to find ones that you think will give you the kind of upside returns that you would expect to get when you're investing in in a in a um, what essentially could be you know an, an, an evergreen or a brownfield junior development project and i'm talking about you know the types of returns anywhere from you know a five bagger to a 20 or 30 bagger and you mentioned silvercrest mine silvercrest metals which i got into and got subscribers into at 16 cents back in early 2016 i mean that thing I know it's been as I think it's been as high as twelve bucks, and so that that's that's ideally the kind of returns I'm looking for. Now, now that's that's an outlier. You don't find those very often. Um, but in terms of how the juniors have performed, say year to date, or even maybe since the bottom of the market in in mid March, again, it's it's. I mean, as a, as a, if you want to just look at GDXJ, I would say, well, first of all, GDX and GDXJ have outperformed the S and P and the Dow, right? Uh, and you probably should expect that in a in a uh, rising market because it's you know it's perceived higher risk profile. So they're going to have as a as indices versus the S and P or the Dow or the Nasdaq, they're going to have a higher beta uh, market beta. But um, you know again with, with with the with the junior juniors that I look at, some of some have not done well and they should not be doing well. Some have done really well, and they've outperformed even you know the the, the most vibrant tech stocks, the most bubblicious tech stocks, and and some performed well and have started to you know pulled way back since early August with this with this correction that we have in the sector, and those are the ones that I've been evaluating lately to to um, figure out when and where I'm I'm going to jump back into some positions in some of these because they're companies that I already know well and you know like to think I have a good feel of in, in terms of what their potential value is versus where they're trading right now in terms of market cap. So Dave, if you're looking to initiate a position in a new junior that you haven't been following or haven't previously owned, can you walk us through some of the filters or qualifying things you would look for for a new junior mining investment in today's world? Sure. I, I've got a, a couple on on deck right now that I'm I'm looking hard at I just I just finished doing a lot of work on a an idea that's that's new for me but it's not necessarily new to the market and um, uh, I was I had a long conversation with the CEO yesterday and I'm going to feature it in my my mining stock journal that comes out Thursday afternoon uh, I mean there's there's kind of I kind of have a checklist of variables that I look at that are that are um, guidelines, not hard and fast rules. So I mean, the first thing I want to look at is you know what is the project? What type of mineralization is it? Is it gold, silver? You know, silver the primary metal? Is it a is it a silver gold project? Is it silver based metals? That type of thing. Is it gold copper? 
or copper gold? Is it primarily copper uh, with gold mixed in, or is it is it gold with some copper mixed in? So um, that's that's the first thing. And then I want to look at where it's located. What's the jurisdiction? Is it in a politically risky jurisdiction, or is it in a, a less risky jurisdiction like you know North America? Um, and, and every jurisdiction has its risks, and, and the risks can even be like Mexico overall is a very pro-mining country, but there are certain there are certain states in Mexico and, and localities within those states where a legal ruling can shut down a, a, a project or shut down a mine temporarily, if not indefinitely. Um, we saw that with 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 Tahoe Mining and the um, Escobal's silver project down in Guatemala which represented about 1% of Guatemala's GDP. And it's been shut down now for about three years. And it's on care and maintenance. Uh, Pan American Silver took it over. It's on care and maintenance indefinitely. So um, I, so I want to look at the jurisdiction uh, and, the, and the risks. And along with that, I also want to look at management. You know, What kind of track record does management have in, in their prior capacities? Um, uh, another another thing I like to look at is is kind of the DNA of of the area where the project is. Are, are you know is, is are there operating mines kind you know within the vicinity because that that might dictate whether or not you know the, these these juniors can prove up a resource. But is it is it you know what's the metallurgy? Is it is it how, what does it take to extract the gold and silver out of out of the ore? Is it you know is it ex- expensive? Is it going to be an open pit or an underground mine? That type of thing. Uh, and and then, you know, how how long is it, you know, from the time that they start advancing the project, you know, what's what's the timeline to when they think they might have a, you know, be shovel ready? So th- there's, there's all kinds of variables like that. And, um, you know, I get a lot of requests from subscribers to look at projects in Africa or um, Eastern Europe or... You know some some other areas that I would consider risk, riskier jurisdictions, and they may be great projects. And you know, for instance, West Africa. You know, uh, up till now, West Africa has been very, very, pretty much pro mining, um, easy. You know, fairly easy jurisdiction to advance a project, get permitted, and and up and running. But I just see Africa as as a potential political risk. I got burned on a project. I, I violated my rules, and I I invested in a in a in Banro, which was in. Uh, the the I guess they call it the Democratic Republic of Congo or something like that, but it would turned out to be um, you know a very crooked operation and and the shareholders um, lost all their money or you know lost a lot of money if you didn't if you didn't sell it before it it fell prey to the corruption. Wasn't that stock traded on a major exchange too? Not yeah, the it was on. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was an Amex NYSE stock. So that you know that, and that's that's kind of an extreme example for an African country. But the way I look at it right now, there, there's there's so many undervalued projects relative to where gold and silver are now, and especially relative to where the price of gold and silver are going to go. In my opinion, that um, I don't you don't really need to venture beyond North America to find plenty of good ideas, and then South America, um, you know, there's plenty of really good ideas down there, and that's that's more of a country by country basis. But I, I look at South America, you know, and again, it's specific to the countries, but um, I'm okay with, with most of the projects that I look at in South America. But, you know, like I said, right now, between Mexico, the United States, and Canada, there's, there's plenty of ideas for me to look at without stepping too far out on the risk spectrum in terms of jurisdictional risk. Would you be willing to share where you have parked a little bit of your capital recently? <laughs> 
Well, actually, um, I I just added to a position to in a stock that I mentioned, I think maybe in the late spring uh, on your podcast, which is was Precipitate Gold, and and they operate in the Dominican Republic, which is is very much pro pro gold mining. I mean, it hosts one of the largest and most profitable gold mines in the world, the Barracks Pueblo Viejo mine. Um, but you know, there, there's been there's one particular province there that had a political issue that upheld uh, Goldquest Romero project, two and a half million roughly gold resource, and they they were applying for an exploitation license to advance the project to uh, into already to put in a mine, and it got it got held up at a local court project on care and maintenance. I think it was probably about three years. Fell down below ten cents. Well, was elected in July. The stock went up 250, 300 percent because all of a sudden the, the 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 president had the ability to overrule the the local jurisdictional court ruling, and so that that's I don't think it's happened yet. But they're they're going they're probably going to get their exploitation license and be able to advance the project further. So and precipitate had a project just to the south of that Wanda Hera project, and it it. It's on trend with the Romero project and, and similar geology mineralization and early exploration results look promising. They actually put their stop spending money on that project until this legal issue was cleared up. So, um, but for me, the the real the real juicy part of Precipitate Gold is their their uh, Pueblo Grande property, which is adjacent to Barracks Pueblo Viejo property, and Barracks signed a deal. I think it's. Over six years, they got to spend something like ten million in exploration, exploring the property and advancing it. Um, and the the exploration capital is is front loaded, so I think they have to spend two million over the next twelve months or something like that. I, I forget the exact terms, but essentially, if the project has what I think it could have on the project, even if it's just a million or two million ounces of gold that Barrick is able to find, I mean, precipitate will be a home run. And Barrick invested a million bucks into precipitate. And my guess is if Barrick, once they've done some drilling and, and, a, and their, it goes through their evaluation bureaucracy, if they like it, I think they'll, they'll buy out the project or they may buy out precipitate in its entirety because it's got another project that's kind of adjacent to the Pueblo Grande uh, uh, project, the, the Ponton project, and it's, it's kind of a similar story. It was, you know, a property that companies like Barrick thought were too small and, and, you know, their bureaucratic apparatus wouldn't let them spend some money on it. And so Precipitate got it for a song and they're, they're going to start doing preliminary exploration on it. And if, if that looks promising, I could see where Barrick signs the same type of deal on the Ponton project, because if they can find you know, even just a few million ounces of, of, of gold, they can use that to feed their mill at Pueblo Viejo. So um, honestly, I mean, precipitate has, I think when I first mentioned it, it was what, 10, 11 cents. And it, it ran up to over the summer, it ran up to as I think the high close was 29 cents. And um, it's pulled back now to 19 cents. And if anything, the prospects for the company's projects in the Dominican Republic have have um, gotten even stronger. So, uh, to me, at a at a nineteen or twenty million dollar market cap for this stock, I, I think it's the the upside. You know, you're looking at a three to five times potential upside here with limited downside. And so that's 
that's kind of how I how I look at these things. And I like I said, I added to precipitate last week in my fund. So what percentage of your fund would be in the precious metals explorers? Well, we're 50 50 physical bullion and and mining stocks. And most of the most of the mining stock portfolio is is in uh, the juniors, though I do have some some smaller cap producer stocks in there like like Fortuna and New Gold. Um, and I've got some, you know, again, micro cap producers like Northern Vertex, which has a, a, a very high grade gold mine. It's operating. It's throwing off plenty of cash flow in Arizona. And they're currently the upside in this thing is they've got about a 385,000 ounce gold resource. Again, it's, it's very high grade. And so it's got remarkable upside leverage to the to a rising price of gold. And uh, they think that there's possibility of of tripling the size of the resource, if not more than tripling it. So they've got a bunch of uh, mineralized targets on their property that have never been drilled before, and they're starting to drill those out. So um, and for the latest quarter, for the third quarter, they haven't released their financials yet, but they had record gold production. So um, that that's again, that's not going to give you the type of upside that a precipitate will. But for me, a company that's producing small cap and has, you know, two times upside potential with gold at the price where it is now, to me, that's a no brainer. Now, if and when gold goes up to twenty five hundred, I mean, this this then you're then you're talking about and this applies to all the producers and even the juniors. Then you're talking about, you know, a different, you know. We're going to be discussing the market caps at two to three times the market caps where they're trading right now because, you know, just because of the upside leverage to gold and silver. Dave, if you're looking at Canada in North America, of course, is there a specific uh, geological trend or region that you like to find Explorcos? The whole country just seems to have gold and silver (laughs) mineralization. You know, just just go take a drive in the country there and and stick a drill bit in the ground and you'll find find mineralization. <laughs> I, I think I think the hot areas right now are, are um, uh, Timmins, Abitibi, you know, the Red Lake area, Quebec, Toronto. Um, obviously, British Columbia has always been a very hot place. Um, I think I only have one investment right now in British that's focused in British Columbia, although New Gold has their new Afton project, obviously. But um, uh Brixton, Brixton Metals is 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 um that that's a, really the only junior I have right now that that has projects in British Columbia, but they've also got um, a couple other very interesting projects. So, um, but I, I just I think the the Timmins and Abbott Tibby regions are eventually going to get consolidated by the large caps that are you know especially when the price of gold goes higher, you're, you're gonna. You're going to see a lot of these companies like Kirkland Lake and Agnico, et cetera, that um, they're going to be looking to add ounces to their reserves. And that's, you know, the, the best there's going to be mergers, obviously, you know, large caps merging with mid caps. But there's also going to be a lot of these juniors are going to get picked off and taken over. So um, one that I like that's in the the Abitibi gold belt is Amex Exploration. And I guess the best way to best way to describe this one and again it's it's still pretty early stage in its exploration process very early but they've you know to date they've produced some very very interesting assays from their drilling 
And it, I, I kind of look at it as a smaller scale, potential smaller scale version of, of Great Bear, which obviously is, has had a, that, that stock's been an incredible success story. Uh, I didn't jump on that train until it was at around three bucks because I, I didn't believe it at first. And then I listened to management present and talked to management. And I was just like, holy crap, this thing's got to this thing's going to be a massive gold mine one day. So um, I, I think Amex is is has that potential. Again, there's still a lot of risk there and they have a lot more drilling to, to prove up. But um, the, the stock right now is trading around, you know, the low two dollars U.S. And I, I think I think I actually put it in my mining stock journal in July and invested in it myself and in my fund uh, when it was in the high twos. So um, that's another one that I'm looking at right now to decide, you know, if and when I want to add to my position. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. And as mining speculators look to Q4, obviously we have a presidential election. Any parting advice you could leave with us? I, I mean, I the way I view the market right now is it's it's pulling. You know, we had a huge run since since mid March. I mean, I you know I get people saying, oh, that you know these these things aren't going anywhere, or I'm underwater in my positions. Well, well, yeah. I mean, like I said, the entire sector as a whole has outperformed every other sector in the stock market since mid-March. You know, I'm not saying it's outperformed specific tech bubble stocks per se, but some of the juniors have. So, you know, we had a big a, a big run-up in the market, and, it, you know, it's natural for the market to pull back and consolidate. And, you know, again, anything can happen. I mean, you know, if we have a big sell-off in the stock market, this the mining sector is going to get hit as well. Um, and, but I think if it if that does happen in that scenario you want to you want to have cash ready so that you can take advantage of lower prices like like as happened in march i mean the mining stocks went down in sympathy with the stock market and they started moving higher before the the fed's intervention juiced the stock market so um i i guess the best advice is you know if you're underwater in in positions that you put on over the summer take a look at them and and use research and try to evaluate where you think that company and its project, or that company and its mining operation, uh, where you think it should be worth versus where it's trading right now in terms of market cap. And if it's well below what you think it's worth, and, and don't just look at the current price of gold, because I think a lot of these, especially the juniors, are very undervalued relative to the current price of gold and silver. I mean, where do you think you know a, a, a Fortuna Silver or a New Gold or you know, an Agnico Eagle. Where, what should that be worth if the price of gold goes to twenty five hundred or three thousand, which is where I think we're eventually headed? Um, and and you know, evaluate your holdings like that. And I mean, some of these stocks, you know, not all of them are undervalued. Some of them, some of the juniors had remarkable run ups, and they're still overvalued. You know, and and so um, don't be afraid to take losses on companies that you decide are undervalued. And don't be afraid to start slowly adding to companies that you really like, you like the story, and you think they're undervalued relative to their future prospects, especially once the market starts moving higher again, which I, I think we're we're kind of getting close to that happening again. Yeah, Dave, thank you for that advice. Follow Dave on Twitter, if you don't already, at I-N-V-R-E-S Dynamics. And of course, David's website is investmentresearchdynamics.com. 
A link to both the Twitter and the website are in the show notes. And if you're interested in the Mining Stock Journal, you can find more info at Dave's website and can reach out to him there. I just wanted to add really quickly, when uh, a new subscriber signs up, I, I include, I, I send out a welcome email that includes several recent back issues so that if you kind of sift through them all and kind of get a feel for the stocks that I like, the stocks I'm invested in and why I like them and why I'm invested in them. And, and also I, I discuss what I see as, as the potential upside versus the potential downside. Risk reward. Yes. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on today's show, Dave. Thanks for having me, Bill. It's good chatting with you again. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.